Amen. Well, good morning again and again. Welcome to Liberty Church. We are excited you're here today. Uh, we're going to begin uh, a brand new two-week series this morning entitled Running in Circles. And really the whole heartbeat behind this message is really talking about the significance and the importance of relationships. When you consider uh, how the relationships that you are in set the trajectory, the purpose, and kind of the direction of your life, relationships are critical to everything that we do. Nine times out of ten, when you talk to somebody that's on the wrong path and they end up in the wrong place, they will tell you hands down, how did you get where you're at in a place that you don't even want to be? Nine times out of ten, they'll say, well, I started running around with the wrong people and I started going to the wrong places and I got running in the wrong circles. But if you flip that coin and you look at people that are successful, that are serving God, that have healthy families, families and marriages, uh, that are advancing financially in their lives, and you talk to those people, you know what those people will tell you? Somewhere along the line, they started running around with the right people. They started running in the right circles. They started connecting to people that connected them to God, connected them to healthy families, connected them to financial stability, and their lives were changed because they started running in the right circles. So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the significance of that and how that really does play out in our daily lives. So let's look at that first point on our outline. Now more than ever, now more than ever, the church needs to be unified. Can I get an amen out there today? Uh, now more than ever, the church needs to be unified. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of riots on the streets of America, in the midst of natural disasters like hurricanes, in the midst of the most pivotal election that our generation has ever experienced or went through that's happening in just a couple months, now more than ever, the church, the body of Christ, needs to be unified. We need to be in one mind and in one accord. And let me just encourage you in something today. I want to encourage you to recognize that one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to bring division and discord into the body of Christ. Why? Because unity is power. Amen? Unity is power. And if we're going to live lives of victory, then we have to refuse to live our lives all alone. I love what Psalms 133 says. Psalms 133 says how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity for their God commands the blessing. And it goes on and talks about how that uh, the writer of Psalms compares the unity of the church or the unity of believers uh, to the anointing that was upon Aaron and to the blessing of God that he released over the nation of Israel. And I believe two things happen when we come together. I believe, number one, there's an anointing. And the Bible says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. If we're going to break through to those seven mountains, everybody still remember those seven mountains? If we're going to break through on those seven mountains of influence and we're going to see our world turn for the glory of God, then we're going to have to work together. We're going to have to be united in one mind and one accord, advancing and building the kingdom of God because that creates an anointing. There is a power that happens through unity that breaks through the strongholds of the enemy and allows us to really grip and grab hold of what God has purposed for our lives. And then unity is a place of blessing. It's where God pours out His blessing and His favor and His goodness and His mercy. Have you ever, have you ever been to a family dinner and a maybe mama, she said, you know what, this is all I want for Christmas this year. I just want everybody for an hour and a half while we're around the table and we're doing Christmas, I just want everybody to get along. Can we please just get along for an hour and a half, maybe three hours on Christmas or Thanksgiving? That's all that mama wants for Christmas. That's all I want. All right, everybody, when you come to all I want, let's just get along. You know why? Because mamas understand something. I think they understand the heart of God. 
I believe God is pleased when his children get along. And I believe that God is grieved when we don't. God is pleased when we get along with each other. And God is grieved when we don't. We are living probably right now in the most divisive season of many of our lives. Right? And we're divided over race, and we're divided over culture, and we're divided over creed, and we're divided over politics. But you know what? We're even divided over mask. <laughs> we're divided over, well, I'm living by faith. Oh, no, I'm walking in wisdom. <laughs> it, is, it is so crazy. And here, here's the scheme. I want you to hear me today. Here's the scheme of the enemy. God is not pro-mask or no-mask. <laughs> and God is not Republican and God is not Democrat. God's not even American. God is providing and fighting for one thing, and that is his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is not taking sides. God has come to take over every circumstance and every situation that is in our lives. But one of the schemes of the enemy is to get us to get divided. And all of a sudden, it brings a discord into the church. It brings a discord into the body of Christ as a whole. And instead of us working together for what is eternal, we end up arguing over what is temporal. Let me say that again. Instead of working together for what is eternal, we end up arguing over what is temporal. How many of you understand we all have personal preferences and we all have personal convictions? And part of being a part of the body of Christ is that we should honor and respect the personal preferences and the personal convictions of the people that are in the body of Christ. Now, we understand the Bible sets the parameters, right? Your convictions and personal preferences can't be violation of what God says is right or true. But most of us understand this. Most of the things that people argue about and become divisive over are not doctrinal decisions. And so we've got to guard our health, ourselves, guys. We've got to guard ourselves and recognize, hey, I need to honor and respect the preferences and the convictions of other people. If you wear a mask, I can honor that. If you don't wear a mask, I can honor that. If you like social distancing, I can honor that. If you don't like social distance, I can honor that. And I don't have to say you don't have faith, and I don't have to say you don't have wisdom if you're doing any of those things. Because there's this little thing called pride. that thinks that our personal preferences and our personal convictions are really the right way. And if we're not careful, we'll allow pride to divide us on things that are temporal and keep us from working together on things that are eternal. And if there's ever been a time that the church... The body of Christ needs to be united in one mind and one accord. It is right now in this moment and in this hour. And somebody's got to be mature enough to lay down their own pride and preferences and say, I can honor you and I can respect you and I can work with you because what we're building is bigger than what we're disputing over. So we've got to understand something. Right now is critical. We need to be united more than ever. Look at that last statement. Because none of us are really as strong as we think we are. Romans chapter 12. This is our foundational scripture. Paul says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given to me, I give each of you this warning. Here's the warning he gives. 
Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Don't think you're better than you really are. That, that little pride thing we just talked about is that tendency to think that my way is the right way. And we got to come to a place where we don't think we're better than we really are. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. And it is essential that we're working together instead of working against one another for the glory of God. There's a kingdom to build. Come on, somebody. Just this morning as I was praying and working through the message and just preparing my heart for this morning, the Holy Spirit just quickened me. He said, Keith, he said, if you think about it, we, we put so much effort on digging down and driving down deep roots into this world. But guess what? This world is not going to last forever. Everything you see is going to be burned. And one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein is going to dwell righteousness. And everything you want to spend your life fussing and fighting over is going to be consumed. And we're going to stand before God and live in a glorious new place where we're not going to have to worry or fuss or fight over those things. So don't think we're better than we really are. Evaluate yourself honestly. And then he says something. He says, according to the measure of the faith that you have in Christ. How many know there's really only one standard for Christianity? His name is Jesus. I'm not the standard you're not the standard. Jesus is the standard. And here's what's amazing of what happens. When I begin to compare myself to Christ instead of comparing myself to other people. See, when I compare myself to other people, it's always easy to find somebody that you're doing better than. Have y'all noticed that when we compare ourselves to other people? Well, at least I'm not like them. It's amazing. I talk to folks, they're on the bottom of the barrel. And they can still find somebody a little bit lower than them and say, well, you know what? Maybe I've been doing drugs and I'm strung out and I've lost my house, but I'm not like him. And you know what? We all do that. When it comes to comparing ourselves among ourselves, we tend to find somebody that's just a little bit lower than we are on the totem pole. And we say, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good because at least I'm not like. But when we begin to compare ourselves to Christ... See, when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we become prideful and arrogant. When we compare ourselves to Christ, we become humble and submissive. <laughs> See, when I look at Jesus, I realize how holy he really is, and I realize how human I really am. I realize how amazing he is, and I realize how I have come short of the glory of God, and how I've missed it more times than I can even count or imagine. And all of a sudden, when I compare myself to Christ, it doesn't cause pride to well up on the inside of me. It causes humility to grip my soul, and it humbles my heart and says, God, help me because I want to live for you. And so Paul says, guys, we got to make sure that we don't think we're better than we really are. we got to take honest evaluations of ourselves, comparing ourselves not to each other, but to Christ. And then he goes on, look what he says. This is huge. He says, because just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a, has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong together. To each other. Today's an awesome day because we're starting a new series, but today's an awesome day because we're also launching our fall small group, fall small group semester. 
And I'm excited about it because our theme this year is the belonging place. No one belongs here more than you. And isn't that what the Bible just said? We belong to each other. We are members of the same body, and we belong to each other. You belong here. If you're watching online, you belong here. You belong here. Why? Because we are one body in Christ. And I want to go ahead and give you a pastoral challenge today because as we talk about running in circles and we talk about the importance of having the right people in our lives and around us, one of the greatest ways for you to connect to Christ and one of the greatest ways for you to connect to the church and one of the greatest ways for you to become the person God is calling you to be is to get in a small group. Now, you guys have heard me say this many times. I wish it was true. I wish I could say that all you need to follow Jesus is come to church on Sunday morning and listen to me preach. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> not true. I hope I add something to your life. I hope the word of the Lord changes you. I hope it equips you and empowers you. But here's the realization. We learn in roles, but we connect in circles. And what you need more than anything is relationships. You need real relationships with real people that are pursuing a real God so that as iron sharpens iron, so a man can sharpen the countenance of his friend. And what we're going to see today, we're going to see that the key to breakthrough is real relationships with people that are pursuing a real God. And so I want to challenge you today, go home this week, go home tonight and get on the website. There are over 30 small groups. We've got three online groups that are totally online via Zoom for people to connect that maybe aren't able to connect, aren't ready to come back and connect, or people that are even living in other states that want to connect and be a part of a small group community. We've got opportunities available for you, and you need to take the leap and get in a small group. Why? Because you belong here, and we need each other. We need each other. Look at that next point. We need strong circles with other believers. We need strong circles with other believers in our lives that we can trust, who we can fight with, and who will have our backs. Because community and fellowship with others is how we continue to grow and how we stay filled up. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I love this scripture. It says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But I love this next part. I don't love it, but it's sober. And listen to what he says. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Let me, let me tell you one of the greatest challenges that Kelly and I face as pastors. One of the greatest challenges we face is that we have a lot of people that come to church but never connect to the church. They come, and they come faithfully, and they're amazing people. Some of you right here this morning, you're amazing people. And they come, and they come, and they come, but they never connect. And that is one of our greatest challenges. Let me tell you why it's one of our greatest challenges. Because you can come to church for three years and never know the person that sits in front of you. Never know the person that sits in front of you. Never know the person that sits behind you. You can sing the same songs and listen to the same sermon and pray the same, praying same prayers and never relationally connect with the person sitting right next to you.
to you. And one of our greatest challenges is if you come to church but you don't connect to the church, then when you fall, and by the way, we all fall. We all fall. We all fall on hard times. We all fall on difficult times. We all fall on challenging times. And when you fall, you will be alone. And it, you won't be alone because you didn't come to church. You'll be alone because you didn't connect to the people at the church. You didn't connect to our four-week connection track so we could get you on a dream team so you could start serving with people. You didn't connect to our grow track so we could disciple you and empower you to become the person God has called you to be. And you didn't connect to a small group where you could begin to build real relationships with other people. Because you know what will happen in a small group? In three weeks in a small group, three weeks in a small group, you'll learn more about the people in your small group than you will worshiping with somebody for three years. You'll know their name. You'll know where they work. And you'll know about their family. Three weeks. Three years of worshiping together, you won't know anything. As a matter of fact, if we did a little quiz here today, I wouldn't do it because it would be really embarrassing, maybe for all of us, if I asked people in this room to name the people on this side of the room, most people couldn't do it. And it's not because we hadn't been worshiping the same service together for the last three years. It's just because we learn in roles, but we connect in circles. And so we need each other because if you fall <clears throat> and you're all alone, there's nobody to help you up. There's nobody to help you up. And so God is calling us to this place where we need strong, we need strong inner circles. We need strong circles with other believers because I need somebody in my life I can trust. I need somebody that's going to fight with me and I need somebody that's going to get my back. Come on, somebody. And let me just encourage you in something. Kelly and I, we have an amazing family. We love our kids. Our kids are all grown and we love them and we love hanging out with them. Tomorrow's Labor Day. We're going to hang out and cook out and have some fun. And when I have free time, I want to spend time with my family. I'm just telling you. I love my family. But you, your inner circle, hear me, your inner circle and the people you run with has to be bigger than your family. It has to be bigger than your family. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes your family is the problem. Sometimes your family's the problem. Let, let, let me just be honest. I'm a great dad, but sometimes daddy's the problem. Kelly's a great mom, but sometimes mama's the problem. We got some great kids, but sometimes the kids are the problem. The only one that's not a problem is Xander. He's too young to be a problem yet. He's brand new. But it'll come, I'm sure. You know why? Because life happens. Challenges happen. And if your small circle of influence, if the only people you run with are the people in your family, then what happens when the challenge is in your family? And now you don't have an outside perspective. And now you don't have an idea or an insight that comes from another, another realm other than the realm that you're constantly living in 24-7. And how many know when you live in the forest all the time, you can't see the trees? And you're struggling with things you shouldn't be struggling with, but because you're only running with the inner circle of your family and you've not enlarged that circle enough to include people outside your family, then your perception of life is limited to one little sphere of people called your family. And they're awesome. We got an awesome family and I love spending time with them. But it's not enough. It's not 
a big enough circle to meet the needs that we all face in our daily lives. Look at that next point. So if we don't fight and run together in circles, we will literally find ourselves lost and running in circles. If we don't fight and run together in circles, we will literally find ourselves lost and running in circles. When we decide to fight and run alone, we are vulnerable to the enemy. Seclusion kills. In Jeremiah chapter 50, God speaks to the nation of Israel. Verse 6 says this. He says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose on the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. And all who found them devoured them. The nation of Israel was lost and they were wondering. And here's the realization. If you're not running in the right circles, you'll run in circles. Because the key to breakthrough, I said it a while ago, the key to breakthrough is consistent connection with other believers. I was thinking as, as we were, I was preparing this message this week, Ian and I were working through those things and getting ready for today. I was thinking... <clears throat> about my life and I begin to think about the breakthroughs in my life spiritual breakthrough marital breakthrough parenting breakthrough financial breakthroughs and you know what I can do with every real breakthrough that's ever come in my life I can trace every real breakthrough that's ever happened in my life to a connection with another person they introduced me to something they said something they did something they shared something and all of a sudden, as a result of that continual connection with the right people, the light bulb came on. You ever had a light bulb moment? A couple of you have. Anybody else ever had a light bulb moment? Thank you, guys. If you're online, if you ever had a light bulb moment, put a light bulb emoji out there and just help me out. I don't even know if there is one, but maybe there is. You ever had that light bulb moment? And you know what? When those light bulb moments happen, it's the result of being in the right circle. It's the result of running with the right people. And it's not that they were purposely, it wasn't that you were doing a Bible study on the topic you were talking about. You were just running in these circles together with the right people. And all of a sudden they said something. All of a sudden they did something. All of a sudden they shared something with you. And all of a sudden the boom, the light bulb went off. And the breakthrough came. Over and over in Kelly and I's life, we've seen that happen. Why? Because if you're not running in the right circles, you'll end up running in circles. And I talk to people that are fighting the same battles they've been fighting for five years and 10 years and 15 years. You need to get in a better circle. You need to start running in a circle with some people that are ahead of you. See, I love when I get in a circle of people, I never want to be the smartest guy in the room. And that's not hard for me, by the way. <laughs> But I love the idea that when I get in the room, there are people that are always ahead of me. People that are always doing things I've not done. Going places I've not gone. Accomplished things I've not yet accomplished. Because I know I can learn from that person and they can help me to become who God has called me to be. And the last part of that statement we just read said this. If you run alone, you are vulnerable to the enemy because seclusion kills. Let me tell you the most, the dangerous, the most dangerous place for you to be. The most dangerous place for you to be is all alone. And let me tell you why. Because when your voice is the only voice that you hear, it is easy to be deceived. When your voice is the only voice that you hear, it is easy to be 
deceived. Think about how, how we can talk ourselves in to some of the craziest things. I mean, I've talked to some people that made some of the worst decisions on the planet, but when they were making those decisions, in their mind, they had convinced themselves it was the right thing to do. Why? Because when you're all alone, you're vulnerable. See, we need each other because I need somebody that has a different perspective and a different conviction and a different idea about life and God and family and money because those differences challenge me. But not only do they challenge me, it's more than that. Those differences introduce me to a new way of living life. And the reality is simply this. Most of us are just one relationship away from a breakthrough. Most of us are just one small group away from a breakthrough. One relationship away from a breakthrough. Somebody's going to say something, do something, or share something with you. And all of a sudden, bam, the light bulb. Bam, the breakthrough. Bam, your life is changed. And it only happens through consistent continually running in those circles with the right people because seclusion and isolation kills your life. Amen? Look at our last point. God is with us wherever we go, but we all still need to be in healthy relationships with others. Let me tell you a lie that Satan whispers to us. Every now and then the devil will say, all you really need is Jesus. And that sounds spiritual and right. All you really need is Jesus. And yeah, all you really need is Jesus if you're going to go to heaven when you die. But if you're going to live the life that God has called you to live, you need more than Jesus. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus said, I'm the head and we're the body. And let me say this to you today. How many of you understand you can't be rightly connected to the head unless you're a part of the body? Jesus orchestrated the church, orchestrated the church for relationships. He created us for community. He created us to live life together. He created us to run in circles with one another. Why? Because we need each other. And the idea that all you need is God really becomes the scheme of the enemy to isolate and separate you from the rest of the body of Christ so that you become discouraged and deceived by what is happening in your world. But if you will stay in the circle, I'm going to keep running in circles with the right people. I'm going to keep surrounding myself with the right people. All of a sudden, it changes your life. Look at the last part of this last statement. Because no matter who you are and where you are, no matter who you are and where you are in your life today, no matter who you are, and we got a lot of who's and we got a lot of where's. We got so many different phases and seasons of life and Christianity in this room here today. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. It does not matter why. Because we can all learn and glean from each other to make the church better and stronger. I want you to see that last part, to make the church better and stronger. See, this is not just about you. This is not just about you having uh, a better marriage and having a better life and having better finances. This is about building the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God advances in your marriage, your marriage gets better. 
And when the kingdom of God advances in your finances, your finances get better. And when the kingdom of God advances in your family, your family gets better. When the kingdom of God advances on your job and your vocation or occupation, your vocation or occupation will get better. But here's the goal. I want you to say it's bigger than just me and you having a better life. It's about the church, the body of Christ, becoming stronger and better. Why? Because if we're going to represent Christ in the world, it's not just about individuals doing well. It's about the body of Christ doing well because united we stand. And together we do more than we could ever do alone. And right now in our nation and in our world, we need a strong church. Amen? We need the church to be united. We need the church to be strong. We need the church to be powerful. We don't need a divided front. We need a united front through Jesus Christ that enables us as the church, the body of Christ, not Liberty Church, but the church to arise. And shine the light of Christ on a world that's lost in darkness. See, we need each other. I want to close with two scriptures. 1 John chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world So that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice. To take away our sins. Look at verse 11. Dear friends. Since God loved us that much. We surely ought to love each other. Since God loved us that much. We surely ought to love each other. Surely we can look past the personal preferences and convictions. And see Christ. And surely we can love each other. Romans chapter 14, Paul is actually addressing the fact that there are a lot of personal preferences and convictions among the believers at Rome. And they're, they're debating and arguing over, I'm going to eat this, well, I'm not going to eat this. Well, I'm going to worship on this day, well, I'm not going to worship on that day. And Paul is addressing that in Romans 14, and this is what he says. He says, for then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe, in, believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or what you drink. It's not about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of God is about living a life of goodness. The King James uses the word righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about those things. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, look at this, verse 19. Let us aim. Here's our aim. Here's the vision. Here's the goal. Here's the target. Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Instead of focusing on the things that divide you, he said, respect and honor personal preferences and convictions. Respect and honor them. No mass, yes mass. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we walk in respect and honor with one another. and We respect each other. And we honor the convictions. We're not prideful and we're not arrogant. We're humble enough to say, hey, I can honor you and I can respect you for the convictions and personal preferences that you have in your life. Why? Because we're a part of Christ. And the aim, here's the goal, unity. Here's the goal, harmony. That's the goal, unity and harmony in Christ. And then he says, and let us build each other up. 
Let's focus on the things that unite us and focus on what can I do today to build up and strengthen and edify my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want us to do this today. Let's just bow our heads. And if you're watching online, I'd love for you just to bow your heads just right now, just to focus your attention. Bowing our heads is not about not seeing other people that are around us. Bowing our heads is about allowing our attention to come into our own hearts and our own lives. So we bow our heads and just close our eyes for just a minute. I want to challenge you. If you're here today and you're born again and you're a Christian and you know you're a part of Christ, I want to challenge you to do two things today. Number one, I want to challenge you to lay down anything that is dividing you. Make a decision today that you're going to that you're going to walk in respect and honor toward those in the body of Christ that maybe have different preferences and different convictions. Just go ahead and settle right now that I can honor and respect all people because of the sacrifice that God has made for me. I don't have to agree with you on everything. If we can agree on Jesus, then we can work together. We can. Second thing I want to challenge you if you're a believer is to number one, settle that you're going to walk in harmony and unity, that you're going to show honor and respect to one another. The second thing is, I want to challenge you to get in a small group. I want to challenge you to begin to build, build that, that inner circle where you begin to run with some people. I want to challenge you to make sure you're running with the right people. And I believe with all my heart, a small group is a great place for you to start running with the right people, to begin to build relationships that will bring breakthrough in your life. Don't opt out. Don't just come to church. Connect to the church. Be a part of the body. We need you. You belong here. And nobody belongs more than you. We need each other. The last thing I want to do is maybe you're here and your head's bowed and you realize this morning that you're not a part of the church. You haven't connected to the body because you've never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Because you can't be a part of the body of Christ until you first embrace Christ who is the head of that body. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to do that today. Maybe you're watching online and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. The Bible calls it being born again. I, I, I've just started describing it this way. Being born again is not just about one day when you die, you go to heaven. Being born again is about the God that lives in heaven is going to come and live in you. <laughs> and he's going to change your life from the inside out. You're going to go from being dead to being alive, from being deaf to being able to hear, from being blind to being able to see. Your world will forever change. 